Hey Restore and friends of Restore, we are beginning week five of our series, The Church Created, uh, which is uh, the first segment of our journey over the next six to eight months through the entire book of Acts. We have made it all the way into chapter two uh, because the first two chapters of Acts are pretty powerful in seeing the church created, the church form of what the disciples are going to do after, immediately after Jesus has left. And so what we're seeing right now is the response, this communal, like looking around like, okay, now what do we do? Let's try this. And that's where we're, we've been the last few weeks. That's where we're going to be today. We're going to be in Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, which um, in my opinion, I think is probably the most popular, most read segment of the entire book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. At least in my experience, I have read these particular verses in Acts more than any other section. And you might be the same. And it reminded me of an experience I had over this past weekend. Uh, my oldest son Tyson uh, had his first travel baseball tournament this weekend. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to talk about the intricacies of baseball or sports. What I am going to talk about is the atmosphere that surrounds a travel baseball tournament, which I'd never encountered before. And I've spent a pretty healthy chunk of my life around baseball. I played it for 17 years, uh, all the way through college. I've coached for the last 18 years in some capacity at all age levels. Not much surprises me because in 35 years of baseball experience, I've seen a lot and I continually realize I haven't seen it all. So prior to arriving at the tournament, we received an email from the tournament director that smoking and drinking were permitted at a 13 and under baseball tournament. And I'm thinking, yeah, that could be a problem. Uh, so I put the address in my Google Maps Saturday morning, headed out with Ty, and I realized quickly, like, wow, this field is in the middle of nowhere. We eventually make our way in onto a single lane driveway with a hand painted sign that says Bittler Field and it has an arrow pointing down the driveway. And as I'm making my way down the driveway, I'm thinking, like, what, what is going on here? Like, where are we? I pull up at the end of the driveway. There's just a big house. And all I see are some orange cones in front of the house that lead around the side yard. And I notice there's tire tracks through the yard. So I'm kind of guessing, like, well, I guess I follow the tire tracks. So I pull around, drive through this guy's front yard. And in the backyard, there's the baseball field literally in someone's backyard. Think a uh, poor man's version of Field of Dreams. Uh, an incomplete fence, no grass infield, a crumbling batting cage, uh, just a really strange scene, no lights. I get out of my car and the first thing I see is an inebriated man trying to break into his own car with a coat hanger because he'd locked his keys in the car. It's 9.30 in the morning and this man is drunk at a 13 and under travel baseball tournament. I turn around and I see an entire baseball team wearing tattered uniforms with fake blood spattered all over them. And the tournament, I, I quickly remember, like the tournament is called Zombie Apocalypse. And apparently they wanted to look the part and dress up to play baseball in kind of like Halloween costumes. Never seen that before. Next, I turn and I see an umpire standing next to his car, smoking a cigarette and urinating at the same time. And finally, to complete the atmosphere, there's a grown man around, riding around on a mini gas-powered motorcycle on the baseball field. Think like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber, like that kind of motorcycle. He's the groundskeeper, and he's using the motorcycle 
to get around the baseball field in order to line it and prepare it for the next game. All of this happened. I witnessed all of this within the span of three minutes. So my senses were overwhelmed by the many sights, sounds, and surprises I had never encountered at a baseball field before, and it was truly hilarious. I've been to probably over a thousand baseball games in my lifetime, probably more. I don't, I don't know, a lot. And I was again, I was again reminded, like, haven't seen it all. The most common and well-known scripture is Acts chapter two, verses forty-two through forty-seven, which I mentioned earlier. I've probably read this section of scripture hundreds, if not over a thousand times. Um, it's, it's something I'm. This section is some uh, a place in scripture I'm very familiar with. And I was reminded again this week as I read it again that I haven't seen it all. Something new popped out to me when I read it this week. So I want to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the phrase that really popped out to me this time when I read it was, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And I've read that sentence a lot. Uh, I've never looked up the Greek of the words together or common. Those are the two words in particular that I'm like, there's something there that I feel like I want to dig into. And so I just looked up those two words. The first one, together, is an adverb in English. In Greek, <clears throat> it's a preposition, which signifies place. And there's something there. The second word, common, uh, I thought it meant, meant like like we use it, like when you have something in common, like a mutual personality type, a mutual perspective, a mutual hobby. But that's not what it means here. Here it means ceremonially profane. Common means defiled, unclean, and unholy. That is not what I expected when it when I read all the believers were together in a place and had everything in common. I thought they in common meant like a mutual gathering. But really what it means, that word means in Greek is that it's defiled, it's unclean, it's unholy. It's like, whoa, what? But we have to realize that we're, we're looking into a, our scope. We're kind of looking into the story of a Jewish culture. And Jewish law was geared around keeping the Jewish people set apart, like ritually clean, ethnically pure, according to their standards. So one of the first moves the apostles made after Jesus left was to copy his example and live a new way, a new ritual, a new community, a way that didn't separate but included, in the Jewish perspective, people who were unclean. So all of a sudden, no longer did people find their place or commonality in their ethnic or religious heritage or in their bloodline. It was now a new community formed around the Holy Spirit, gifted to us by God the Father and Jesus Christ. And the language reveals it looked and felt messy, but in the eyes of the Lord was beautiful and heavenly. So the church 
our place to be in close community in a way <clears throat> that disgusts the religious elites. N.T. Wright says this about this type of community. Many Christians and agencies give themselves tirelessly to the work of making this practical sharing of resources a reality in all the complexities of our contemporary world. When Jesus' followers behave like this, they sometimes find, to their surprise, that they have a new spring in their step. So we're coming up on our 8th anniversary of Restore Church. Next weekend, uh, or this coming weekend, uh, in about four days, we're going to celebrate our 8th anniversary via Zoom. Unfortunately, we can't be together. Uh, but, if, but as I think back on the Restore Church community, in particular these last three to four years, I've seen us moving towards place and commonality with diverse people. I see us slowly looking more and more like the holistic community we see in Acts chapter 2. So I think back on some of the markers, the movements, the pathways that the Holy Spirit has led us down in regards to being a holistic community. Some of the things that came to mind. Five years ago, we opened the living room, a space that we wanted to be host to our community, like an actual living room in the middle of downtown Silver Spring. And through the use of this space, we began hosting at first dozens and now hundreds of refugees for worship gatherings. We spent time with them in bilingual worship gatherings, providing English lessons, clothing donations, household goods, groceries, and financial support during the pandemic. We've also been faithfully financially supporting our ministry partners in Greece as they serve Middle Eastern refugees, and we're looking to expand and potential, uh, potentially into some new countries in Europe where we see uh, some wonderful partners doing incredible work with refugees uh, in Europe. We had a pro bono law clinic claim started by Restore members that operated out of the living room. Uh, Carrie and I also work part-time for the V3 movement as church planting coaches. And last year in our cohort, we met Brian and Pam Thompson, who live in PG County, and are launching ESOL Outreach, a Christian nonprofit whose mission is to close the huge racial divide and help eliminate systemic racism within the visual and graphic arts workforce and community. And then going back to refugees uh, and our work in Europe, We've sent five teams over the last five, five years to serve our ministry partners in Europe. And we look forward to the next time that we can travel to Europe and serve alongside with them. Uh, Restore has also turned into a community of faith that is inclusive and safe, particularly for people who have been wounded by Christians. We are intentionally cultivating a community where people can recover their faith in Christ and have no social or legalistic barriers placed in their way. I reflect on these past few years because our 2020 is serving as a pretty significant interruption uh, to so many of us in so many different ways. In less than six months, our lease on the living room is up and we're planning to leave. Uh, what we are praying for and planning for now is to take more steps deeper into a holistic community with those who are experiencing or are, have been wounded by injustice or exclusion. We want a shared space that fits more people. The living room can't hold us anymore. We need more space. All right, we need a space that can fit more people, more mission, more vision. Like for example, uh, City of Protection 
founded by one of our pastors, Lenise Rojas, that serves so many Central and uh, South American refugees. She has an amazing vision for how she wants this ministry to grow and expand, and we need more room for it. Brian has an amazing vision for ESOL Outreach, and there's actually a couple more people that we've that have crossed our paths recently that we're talking to that we feel like, wow, maybe we should be in deeper community serving alongside them uh, to bless both our county, uh, even our country, and even beyond that. Um, you know how many people, there's, there's people that live in uh, what's called like communal housing or another word for that is co-living, uh, where multiple family units buy or rent a house together to maximize uh, the financial <clears throat> or to decrease the financial cost, but maximize the space to live in shared community together and that kind of thing. Well, we've been thinking about that type of movement with Restore Church and these other movements that have crossed our path. Like, what would it look like for us to share space, resources, and to be in even more intentional community together in one particular place? To us, it sounds historically Christian, impactful, messy, all the things that happen in Acts chapter 2. We think it sounds like Jesus, and we believe uh, that the holistic community that we see in Acts chapter 2 is not only alive and well, but it's still happening 20 centuries later, increasing and growing and expanding in new ways in, in every different part of the world. And this is just our particular part where we feel like God has given us a segment, like a beachhead of like, this is a place where we can establish a heavenly presence of both justice and inclusion and the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. And we believe that God is leading us to expand, to extend our table, to be in closer fellowship with the people he's brought into our path these past few years. So our pastor's prayers and our minds are filled with what this might look like and what it might take to make it happen. And I hope that's kind of what's going through your head over the coming weeks and the coming months as we think about what 2021 and beyond look like in regards to living into this holistic community with these different movements and these different people that God has brought together. That's where my mind went as I read Acts 2 again this week. Um, a bigger place and a deeper commonality with those who've experienced injustice or exclusion. What might that mean for you personally to, to take steps into this kind of place and this kind of community where you're at?